welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. Hey, everybody. Good morning. If it's morning, otherwise good afternoon or good evening. It's morning to me. It's what is it? Five thirty a.m. Scott. It is five forty-three. Oh, we're late. Best Damn time it. of the day. Five forty-three a.m. We're in the Arizona desert, watching the sunrise. I got the best seat in the house, man. Sun's coming up behind your back. Yeah, I kind of got cheated on this yeah. deal, didn't I? What mountains are those? Those are the Catalinas. Ooh, dang! That's amazing. And I spent some time chasing big old coos deer up there way back when I was younger and dumber. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People are passionate about it. I mean, those mountains, those mountains keep our industry ticking, dude. Mountains like that in every state. God bless them. Yeah, the Wasatch Front. I mean, yeah. the list goes on and on. I think the more imposing, you can imagine the bigger animals up in that stuff. If I could just get to that next ridge, there's a bigger one. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't how many times have you uh just tried to go back, 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 and then you come back and there's like the biggest bull tracks you've seen all day right next to your truck. I thought that was every time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Every time. I've done that so much. <laughs> See, I've counted on at once I get there and I'm not officially there yet, but once I get there and I'm too old to make that hike, I'm just going to sit next to the truck. You know how many guys do right? it? Right? Yeah. Go up in BC hunting moose, freaking trudging through all those swamps and shit like that. And all of a sudden you just hear, well, and then you're down in there calling. You know, you're kind of a couple miles off the road down in there calling, calling. All of a sudden you just hear, boom. Yeah end of the day you pack out go to the road and here's you can see like the bull tracks like come up on the road oh yeah big blood splat right in the middle of the logging road and you're like that dude just lets all the guys like me call down in these holes and he just hunts all the roads that <laughs> let them right. cross and go in <laughs> that's right it does make for an easy pack job oh man yeah super easy well we kind of uh, I didn't give you a proper introduction. Uh, I don't. You, I don't need any. Do you have like a big bio that I have to go through here? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. I am not that guy. Well, I'm trying to. Th- I was trying to think this morning how many cool companies you've been part of. I've got Scott Eastman on the line or on the headset, and right now you're. We work. We work together with Hex. Um, you and Slinkard are, you know, kind of got the whole hex thing going. You're going crazy in the in the free diving world with your spear fishing, going all over the world, shooting fish like a madman. You told me something yesterday. I just loved it. You're like, dude, I gotta get you under there. It's you said it's just like the excitement you have everywhere else but with no tags absolutely <laughs> it's just that, keep best going. Thing, i think what i told you is be careful because it's just as addicting as bow hunting but when you shoot one you get to go right back down and shoot another one you don't have to stop when you hit 20 
depending on where you are. You're not packing out quarters. No, no, <laughs> man. Throw them in the cooler and you deal with it later. So the cool <laughs> thing is you're cutting those fish up when you're having beers back on the dock with uh, your buddies. Yeah, I like it's that. Not a bad way to do it. Yeah, yeah. That's back. You know, that dude that we just talked about shooting the moose on the road. He probably started out fishing. Oh, I'm sure. Recognizing like let's. Well, when he's skinning, he's got his cooler right next to him. The yeah, truck's he, right there. yeah, he's like, I don't even think, I think they just dump guts, hoist <laughs> yeah. that thing in there and just go back home and and uh, pick up a cold cold six pack or 12 pack on the way and start slicing and dicing right oh, yeah. there. Nah, they just run it to the butcher and let him deal with it. They it's, don't do all that stuff. Throw it in the back of the pickup and take it to the butcher. It's funny, in a way, I think Mike... Mike's afraid of t- you and I getting like too excited about something at the oh, same time. Oh, it scares him to death. Yeah, he keeps saying he's like, John. D-, he's like, I'm gonna be really worried if you and Scott are both at the same place at the same time. He's <laughs> like, he's like, it's dangerous. You two are both like very extreme and how deep you go down rabbit holes. And he's like, you. He goes, I. He's like, I don't want to think about losing either one of you but he's like you guys he's like i'll never forgive you if the two of you go somewhere and do something too crazy and i lose both of you he's got a thing about it you know big tough guy grown up out out there logger and he is funny he makes me check in on spear fishing trips he'll say something nice like uh he'll he'll try to cover it he'll say yeah just uh kind of check in shoot me a text let me know what you're doing did you I get think those every stamps? day he thinks yeah. I'm in, in shark waters yeah. or something. Where are those stamps? Did yeah. you buy the stamps? <laughs> Just giving <laughs> some lame reason to call. <laughs> yeah, he's he's funny with that. He We actually, we got him in a dive skin on a family vacation one time, and it didn't go so well. How much Vaseline Mike doesn't did like that the water. <laughs> well, the dive skin's a little easier, but okay. it, it uh, yeah, yeah. He he said he swallowed more salt water in the first ten minutes when he jumped in. So I think he's got a whole different vision of what I do based on his own experience. As a partner, that's if you have a company with like separate divisions, that's probably the. If you're like, hey, dude. You take the you take the hunting side. Yeah. I'm going to take the fish, the aquatic side. Like, no that's way the am best. I giving up hunting. Though. Yeah, that's no the, way. Well, I th- I think uh, that's the best way to do it. You immediately just have him be like, okay, that's all you. I'm out. You, yeah. I'm going to trust whatever you say in that world, but I'm out. Well, he's he's got his stuff though too. I, you know, I don't worry too much about him. But uh, come spring, he's actually got a coastal brown bear hunt. Oh, he does? Oh, that's right. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, big deal. He's training for it, and his shoulder is, is doing better. You know, he just had a, a bit of a procedure on that. He's been struggling with with shoulder pain for a couple of yeah. years. Yeah, he got stem so. cells um, with Roddy, and he, he said it allowed him to shoot again. Yep. But, you know, I told you there's, there's certain types of tears that are not muscular to where stem cells just you know there's just not blood flow to certain things that have to be fixed and he had a few of those things so i think he got those cleaned up and then now he's just going to try to rebound i actually i think he's excited about it you know for you guys and i was never there i mean i always shot a bow pretty well but i think when you shoot at that level the hardest thing for mike the last couple of years is not 
being able to do that, not get in the practice time, I think, yeah. more than anything else because of the shoulder injury. So I know he's secretly, more than secretly, excited about it. Yeah. Um, he's got physical therapy now in a couple more weeks, and really getting behind the bow, he's pretty excited about it. Yeah, I and that hunt, that hunt is his, like, dream hunt. That's be, he's been he had someone about back out. He called me, and he's like, I know this is a long shot, but yeah. do you want to go? And I... That's one of those hunts where I'm like, hey, dude, I bit the bullet on a brown bear price tag one time. I'm yeah. good with that. <laughs> like, there's only so many of those you can do if you're an archer. Well, this one's a little different. You know, brown bear, one of those things, as you know, I mean, there are some deals out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But with the deals, a lot of people come back, and that deal didn't work out so well. Yeah. So this one's a little different. They're hunting off a boat. And yeah. he's going to be able to switch to land base if he doesn't tag out off the boat mm-hmm. and stay the whole season. Yeah. So he's doing it right this time. I mean, you gotta you gotta put and, in some time up there. And who he's going with is notoriously shot yeah. some of the biggest ones in the last Ka- few years. Kavner's been putting out the best bears, especially in the last five or six years. Yeah. I think um, he said last year he would have had the new archery world record with seven of his rifle bears last year. Wow. So that's pretty stout. Yeah. Yeah. My my buddy Cole Kramer's a freaking stud right now, too. Well, he got the world record last year. Oh, he did? Mm-hmm. With a bow, I believe. I mean, he he guided. Yeah. Mm. It was with a bow. It was on the cover of uh, Bowhunter Magazine. He looked all, he looked all like, robust. Had his chest hair all lathered up and sprinkling out of his... <laughs> now wait a minute that's I'm good just, why, why, just how, how are we talking about chest hair now glistening chest hair at five fifty-two in the morning you know he, did i ever tell you how mike tried to talk me out of spearfishing no he's like he said you know it's a bunch of dudes just getting all jellied up and like getting all lathered up on the back of a boat right oh, and, I, well. and he goes honestly he's like i don't know what you're into john but he's like that's his closest it's going his, down his the... favorite joke he says it's a really gay sport but if, if you know in that kind of setting and you can appreciate it so the problem with spearfishing you need a specific kind of suit yeah right so it, it's an open cell suit which means you have raw neoprene next to your body so why do you need that well our, our suits unlike a scuba suit when you're in a free dive suit you need freedom of movement okay right so they're a lot more flexible that, you know, it's a really physical sport. Yeah. You're, you're free diving. So it's all breath hold. Mm-hmm. So it does a couple of things. It keeps you warmer. So a big deal, you can wear a lighter suit, like a three millimeter suit mm-hmm. and get the same warmth that you would out of a closed cell five, five yeah. millimeter suit. So anyway, Mike jokes about it. Cause you actually have to lube up to get in these suits okay. so all he thinks about is i tried to get dudes. in mine dry and it <laughs> yeah not i told you about this <laughs> i forgot <laughs> i was you like forgot. okay i gotta i gotta hit a ky like ky bath before <laughs> yeah. i slide into this sucker no no mane and tail okay the stuff you can get in any cvs you know the aussie yeah. whatever mane and tail conditioner that's the best stuff in the world okay but that lets you get yeah, right Mike, in there. Yeah, Mike's standing joke is a bunch of gay dudes on a boat just wanting to be naked with each other. <laughs> that is not what spearfishing is all about. I'm just here to tell you. I like it. I don't have a problem with it, but, yeah, we, that's that's not what the sport's about. 
I've got a buddy from down in Austin that uh, got into archery. His name's Kyle Kingsbury. He works it on it. And uh, he's a massive human being. Like, you know, he he makes me feel small. Really? He's a, he's a giant. And he's just, he's ripped. And then I get this picture from uh, w- one of my other buddies that's in Hawaii with him. They're at the top of Molokai in this unreal mountain setting. And here's Kyle shooting his boat like they're all out practicing he's shooting in a speedo and i'm like <laughs> dude <laughs> there might have been two guys in speedos shooting and i thought okay this like if this hits the if this hits the waves this you know i think people would be like wait that's archery yeah you know i've got yeah, a picture you gotta of, be confident uh, to own a speedo i've got a picture of schwarzenegger i i got a few photos from arnold um back when I worked with them when I was shooting at the classic and I got two signed pictures from Arnold. One was with him and Frank Zane shooting at Santa Monica high school. And, uh, both these are on the internet, but I've got like originals in frames that are signed. And then the other one is him with the recurve with, uh, red posing trunks. Very cool. (laughs) So he was an innovator. Yeah. Yeah, he was. Yeah. So, um, I, I can honestly say I do own a Speedo. Okay. I'm I, thinking about I, it. I would not rock the Speedo except when I'm s- swimming at the club. Really? That's about it. But if you're going to start swimming and training, Speedo's the way to go. Don't want to do it in board shorts. Do you ever see so that Saturday excuse. Night Live skit, Taco Burrito, what's hanging out my Speedo? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to YouTube that <laughs> yeah. one now, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, Taco Burrito, what's hanging out my Speedo? <laughs> oh, good Lord. <laughs> We've gone down a rat hole fast. <laughs> yeah. I, love, I love that. Yeah. And you're drinking a Coke, which I didn't think you would drink a Coke because you're a fitness, total fitness nerd. Well, when you get to my age... Look who's talking. I'm just kidding. You'll be there too. When, wait a minute. So when I get to your age, I'm going to decide to be running like 90 miles a week? No. I, I do not do that anymore. How much do you do right now? <clears throat> not much. Um, you know, I... You ob- do a lot of competitions. Yeah, dude. my, my better really half do. really got me into running um, big time. But we've backed off a little bit. I'm We're just looking at volume. We're doing a lot more. Uh, we get our cardio in. We'll do uh, on a good week three or four runs, but we've kind of shortened it up mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, now our latest thing, we play a lot of racquetball, which is awesome. Uh, well, right? honestly, do you, are, do you have muscles hurt you forgot you even had? Oh, good Lord. Racquetball's it's, – it's cool. I played racquetball. It'll work you. Um, I played racquetball maybe a year ago, and – all these like stabilizer muscles in my ankles and my knees that I like completely forgot about were just screaming <laughs> yeah. to death. All my, I, I felt like I wouldn't even be able to shoot for a week. People say, how do you shoot when you're working out all the time? It's like, that's easy. I just work out all the time. Throw like throw one little dinky thing like racquetball in the middle of that mix. And it's like, yeah, I'm not shooting for a week. I was hurting, dude. I, I've learned, I told you yesterday, where I feel it now, yeah, you go to the gym all the time, you get into your routine. Now, racquetball helps a bunch, but where I feel it, if I'm under a car, <laughs> you know, I've got a yeah. car hobby, yeah. building muscle cars. I'm under a car 10 hours a day, 
the stuff that hurts, I didn't even know I had on my body. <laughs> so that, that's kind of where I am now. I'll actually be 50 on Wednesday. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, happy I got a big one coming dude. up. Yeah, thank yeah. you, man. Happy 50th. That's awesome. Well, I want you to... Uh, you and I kind of have a similarity in the fact that we got into archery pretty early. Like we got into, shouldn't say we got into archery early. Both of us were really young when we jumped into the industry as working for some very big companies. And we were exposed immediately to like what drives the industry like how the industry is built not how people are end using it we're at the beginning of the usage where did you start and like how did how did that progress let everyone know just so they understand how awesome you are (laughs) definitely not there you know i was i was fortunate i when i got out of college and i went to a d2 school um played basketball in college um didn't have any delusions of grandeur when it came to basketball. Was that back by when, like, if, when, when a five ten guy could play basketball? Yeah, the really the really short shorts. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. No. What we what I called myself was fundamentally sound. Oh, okay. I like that. Yeah, I yeah. like it. No athletic talent, but I could shoot the three. <laughs> so, anyway, you know, getting out of school, I always thought, and that was back in the day. I grew up in Southern California, and. Um, I was going to be a stockbroker, man. All that money. Actually, you could do it. Like that suits you. You know? So anyway, got my degree in economics and thought, man, I'm going to go make a bunch of money. Went, went out Merrill Lynch, hated it. Really? Absolutely hated it. And, uh, I, I was at the Vegas shoot that year and Don Valley was actually a PSE. Oh yeah. Years ago. So, did Don, Don eventually went to Browning? He went to Browning. That's right. Yep. yep. So anyway, they had an opening. What do you know? In my territory. So I came on as a regional sales manager. I California, Nevada, Utah, Arizona, and Hawaii. Oh, really? And, yeah, I didn't really. What year was this? This would have been 92. Oh, yeah. 92, I believe. The PS, territory PSC had been down. Was, was booming right then. Were, uh, is that was there fast flight yet, or were those steel cables still just transitioning to that? Okay, it was just going into flat fast flight. So for um, those of you listening, up until that point, Bose the 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 string itself was like the material. Well, it should, I shouldn't say the material as we know it now because it was a material that it was like the gift that kept on giving. It was an endless rubber band. Oh, is God, what the forever. original strings were. But the cables were steel, so and they kind of had these teardrops on the end where you would hook the string. You know, if you can imagine your cam post that your string hooks to, those little like teardrops were on the end of the ca- the cable, and then you would have this little string that was kind of right now it'd be like going from your speed knocks from like speed knock to speed knock was a string, and then was PSE the first for synthetic ca- cables? I don't. I don't believe we were first, um, but we had the fast cam, which took the set screw in the center, so you could actually tune a set of steel cables, quote unquote, yeah. tune a set mm. of steel cables, yeah. right? Yeah. But for those who haven't had the pleasure of losing a teardrop when they're in the <laughs> middle of shooting, it's yeah, like yeah, someone. It's day. like someone 
downrange has a wrist rocket with a ball bearing. Oh, you and never sh- knew where it was and going. And they shot it right at your right <laughs> nut. <laughs> just at the right time. Yeah, just right on the but edge. That that was a fun time. I actually, uh, you'll you'll appreciate this, but when I was in college and high school, I was actually shooting a Hoyt, and uh, that was the Super Slam. And I think in oh, one man, season, that was shooting the bomb, 3D, too. Yeah, it was an awesome bow. Yeah, that was the bomb. Now, that was back in the cast handle days, though. So you can appreciate this. When you have a cast handle break at the grip, <laughs> remember those days? Okay, we've gone from a ball bearing to now <laughs> a uh, a sle- half of a sledgehammer. Like, imagine Thor's hammer coming coming at you. Hey, th- you know what, though? You, you got another one. You kept shooting. Those were overdraws <laughs> and light arrows, and we we're all shooting 85 pounds, and... 85 pounds, an arrow rest that was at least four inches behind the riser. Oh, you had to have it. Because the arrow selection was about 10 sizes. Shooting 23-12s or 24-13s. Yeah, you had to push it, man. And then Flightmate came out with the 50-grain points, so you could really get really get stupid with that five percent foc and a four inch overdraw and 85 pounds if we used to stand in front of that chronograph for hours (laughs) what can i do what can i do to get two feet yeah (laughs) two more feet i just need two more feet i can win every tournament with two more feet yeah that uh that was fun times but yeah i was i was lucky enough to get with don valley and he put me out on the road with I don't know, I think four hours of training, and somehow I turned around a territory and sold a bunch of bows and had a great time doing it. I I think... What were the big players? That <coughs> Matthews was very... That would have been just the pre, start. That, that, that was actually pre-Matthews. Okay. I, I didn't have any in my territory. I think. Yeah, I think right in that, right in that territory. So you would have... Uh, Hoyt, Gen- Jennings Hoyt, was actually big. Yeah, Hoyt Ho- was big. Hoyt, Jennings, and um, was it Bear Jennings yet or still just Jennings? No, that was Jennings. Okay. Um, I think Bear or Escalate Sports it had just bought Jennings, but mm-hmm. Jennings was pretty big in that California market. Yep. Um, Hoyt was definitely big. Believe it or not, Martin Oh yeah, was actually yeah, really right. hot back then. Okay. Um, and, of course, I had a strange mix in my territory because – Northern California was always kind of a standout, you know, Mark 3D, mm-hmm. a lot of really good. You'll because you that's this. where Redding started, Absolutely. right? Absolutely, Redding, and you had Fresno Safari. So was it, the three going then? Like even back they then? were, they were, yeah, a lot, lot of big shoots. I mean, shoots every weekend. Yeah, and, and Mark so 3D. Like you could get yeah. in your car and you could shoot two to three every weekend. You yeah, could shoot. two to three every weekend. Absolutely. Easy. And you saw the same guys, and and you had guys back then. I mean, Gary Broadhead was a hot shooter, but it was it was weird because the 3D thing was coming on, and the California market was like, ah, those guys aren't the real shooters. Yeah. We're doing marked, mm. at, you know. And I, I got to say, it was interesting for me because I really believed at that time. I thought we have the best shooters out there but they're not getting the spotlight Mm -hmm. you know we have the target guys that are shooting 3d animals at 100 yards at a spot but Mm -hmm. it's marked yeah but 3d was the hot ticket yeah Mm -hmm. so it it was the burley halls the randy elmers the randy chapels we talked about it yesterday the the spotlight yeah yeah all the larry weir yeah the that was 
I mean, those were the guys that I, when I got into it, they were the guys that were on posters and I was like, man, these guys, that was back when, you know, you go into an archery shop and there's full blown posters of these guys and they seemed so much more creative. Honestly, they really, the, the marketing concepts were more geared towards like, I don't know. It was really geared towards these personalities with a cool tagline and it wasn't like, it wasn't just, I don't know, it wasn't like going after kind of degrading this company's, um, you it was, know, it was fun but competitive. Yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, it was fun. I, the, I, the, it seems like all the companies were really taking pride in who was winning those big events, and when they no did, doubt. they were putting them right in the front. It, it was a big deal. I mean, you, you still had your shoots. It was really... That was before Redding was as big a deal as as it got to be for mm-hmm. a while, and I think maybe it doesn't have the same allure that it used to. But Vegas obviously was a huge deal. Yeah, you know everybody waited, everybody had bets on who was going to do well at Vegas, and you know Vegas was a big thing. I mean, oh, if yeah. your bow won still Vegas, is, dude. it still is, still is. But back then, if your bow won Vegas, as being a, a salesman or somebody on the road. You sold a lot of bows <laughs> off of Vegas. So you had your fingers crossed for months that you were going to have a good showing at Vegas with one of your shooters. Certainly yeah. not me. Yeah. But now it was a fun time in archery. And, you know, going back then, too, it wasn't that far removed from Rambo, you know, oh, with the yeah. Rambo. Yeah. And that was really just explosive growth yeah. in bow hunting. Yep. And you had a lot of those guys, um, a lot of new faces in Target. Because mm-hmm. they got exposed through that movie and yep. getting into bow hunting and better seasons and you know it's uh, it's kind of funny talking about it now. It doesn't seem like that long ago, but I'm aging myself, dude. <laughs> it's we a while met, ago. Um, for those listening, I uh, I flew down here two yesterday or two. I don't even remember. It was kind of a short trip. I flew down to uh, to see my trailer and. Very nice, by the way. You're going to impress some people with that. I'm impressed. I'm, it's cool. I'm, I'm like really pumped. Yeah, you should be. But um, we met up because I knew you're going to be down here too. We met up and uh, we've, I don't know, we were talking about all kinds of stuff. We ended up going by, yesterday was Sunday, and we drove by um, PSE like the out the outside thing because i told you i said the last time i was down here i was shooting the stars shoot for um for pse and then there was an ibo there was some type of a ibo i don't know if it was like a winter triple crown or there was something there here. Were a lot of events down here during the winter back in the day yeah there was something and and um and I, when we pulled in, I was like, yeah, this is the, like, this is where I was. Cause I couldn't remember what it looked like. But as soon as we pulled into that outside thing, I'm like, that's it. I mean, that was totally like deja vu for me. And then I started thinking part of my body wanted to say it was like 10 years ago, but then, <laughs> but then you I wished re- it was only 10 yeah, years ago. But then maybe. all of a sudden I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah, 10 years ago would have been 2008. No, like, no. Let's 
keep winding that dial back and i'm like dude this was like 25 years ago that i was Crazy. over here on this range i was there nuts yeah crazy you know it's funny because you you talked about stars boy that was a lot of fun yeah i mean you Hit came to that shoot but you know it was a cool thing and we we always kind of thought back then because it was a partnered shoot mm-hmm. so it was really cool for the new people that were getting into archery because as one of the top archers you had to find somebody with the upside it was a ranking system yeah so it, it was a fun shoot and it got a lot of people involved yeah and we always had a good time putting those things on you guys had a lot of shoots down here i remember i remember being at like a naa national down here back when you had to wear all white like that was the dress code I don't know if could you wear green too or was it just i think it might have been all white only long, yeah i, white I didn't pants. play in that in that <laughs> realm but the i remember that they looked very up. proper yeah yeah <laughs> i was down here probably sporting some jabot jeans and a cotton polo shirt <laughs> hey looking sharp at yeah. least you didn't say speedo yeah well I should have back then. That would have been. I could have made a name for myself. That probably would have been a cup worth a couple of points against your competitor if you oh, showed yeah. up shooting in the speedo. Oh yeah. You never thought about that, did you? No, I was shooting. Getting their head. I was shooting a high country then. Really? Yeah. When I came here that year, I was shooting a uh, Supreme cast riser. It was uh, hatchet cams. Yeah, silver and blue glitter. <laughs> you know, it's funny that bow. When I think about it. Remember, and we talk about with different cams, when those cams came out, you actually had a wall oh, that yeah. you could pull against. <laughs> because before like, that, man, it stopped. Yeah, it stopped. It's like, remember the draw stops and 10-stage wheels? And, oh, yeah. It, you know, what was it, a three-and-a-half-inch valley you just had to settle into? <laughs> yeah, they're like, what's, what's this drawing set at? You're like, dude. Drawing. It just doesn't matter. Yeah. You just pull whatever. Yeah. You settle in, just... Get in where you're comfortable. Just make sure you go to the same spot every time. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Almost impossible. Then you get on a hilly course. That's the thing about Northern California. You know, back then, you'd watch those guys that didn't shoot a lot of uphill and downhill. Mm -hmm. And pulling those cams without a back wall, oh, boy, that separated the men from the boys right there. They'd be shooting a half draw by the time they got a series angle. Exactly. That was fun stuff. So you, uh, so you were a rep, and then at what point did you, did you go internal? I think it was 98. 1998? Ni- 98, I came inside as uh, vice president of sales. Okay. Um, yeah, and had a lot of fun. I mean, built, built a team, and, and like I said, it, it, archery was a little different then. Um, built a great team and had some great guys, some some guy I think about him from time to time I mean Jimmy Landrum you know some of the legendary sales guys back back yeah. then and it was still archery was still on a, a really good growth curve um, yeah. during that time and there were some really dynamic reps back there then from different companies I still remember their name like Burley Hall did a lot for high country then he did Jeff McNeil had probably just came off the road yep then um Jeff Propes was one I re- remember. What about um, Lori Watson's husband back then? Uh, Warren. He, yeah, I heard a lot about him. Yeah, too. he was out west. He was yeah, the Hoyt yeah, rep was out a, west. Yeah, yeah. Um, re- really good guy. 
you know, I, it, when you start talking about that, and that's I am, actually haven't been to the ATA for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, we don't do that show with Hex anymore. But yeah. that's one thing I miss. Although it's a little weird showing up, you know, when you don't see someone for for five or six or seven years, boy, you can get caught up in that. You can waste a day talking yeah. about, oh, yeah. you remember when, yep. you know, uh, fun stories though. But we had a lot of fun and it, I, I think you hit it on the head, you know, even when Matthews was really coming on strong and that obviously. That was it, right Hoy- like that, that was, was the it. beginning. Nine, 98, I'm trying to think. So I would have been, I would have been there when you came here. I'm not, I think it was either 90, I think 98, we made the Inc. 500. We came in at like number 78. Yeah, I and remember And then we that. made the Inc. 500 again in 2000, if I'm remembering. But yeah, we were just booming. I mean, booming. You know, it's funny. I was talking to a buddy of mine the other day, and <clears throat> when you think about looking back on certain years, I almost remember certain years based on the bow model. That's how better I remember than every the year. year. That's how I remember every year. Isn't that funny, though? Yes. I, I mean, I remember years for, like, the Mach 6. And I remember years for, like, the MQ-1. Oh, man, the and mocks I, were the bomb. I just thought about that. Yeah, I remember I remember going into a shop. I was shooting, like, one of my first PSEs I ever bought. This was early 90s. was, like, a Fireflight or, like, a Thunderbolt or something. And then the mocks came out and it was like you saw the price to, like the it was like double the price of like my bow for those like that mock four the mock oh, five yeah. mock six those things when one came into the shop you had to see it and had to hold it yeah everybody had to hold it yep but that it, you know it was good for archery too because even if guys didn't get one that's what they wanted mm-hmm. they they aspired to have that that bow yeah and obviously there were some guys that got one but i think it was good for archery i mean everything before that was kind of on the same field i think and uh, 98 was the mq1 the mq1 was was an industry changer yep because that's in my opinion that's when it went to feel yep for that, x number of years that was the first bow that when you shot it it felt different than it, it made everything different. else feel like a tuning fork yeah yep and that also brought on the rubber industry, which I affectionately well, refer to as the rubber it. industry. You're thinking of when we brought out the, um, we brought out the, when we brought out the harmonic dampening in the riser, that would have probably been an SQ2 or something. Or no, it was a Q2. But the MQ1 had the different cam and yep. you guys laid back the limbs. It was a you straight line the cam. cam. It was the first cam that Matthews had ever made with a straight knock travel because all the perimeter-weighted max cams had a slight slope. Yeah. yeah. Although we like to tell people it still had knock travel. Of course. Hey, sales guys, right? That's Scott. You do whatever it's, you have to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're in economics. You're used <laughs> to that graph banging up and down. Just, just competitive. Now, I, I look back fondly on all that. I mean, it was... It was good. That kind of competition, when you guys really came on strong, I mean, you changed the game quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it made everybody else step up. Yeah. You know? And, yeah. and that's good. Yeah. And it's continued it's good for to everybody. do so. There was another, there was an ev- another revolution again when, uh, when Hoyt came out with the cam and a half system. Um, Absolutely. It, it really, really changed things a lot once that cam system happened. Yeah. Um, 
but and then you know and i well I, every company's had those years where they came out with something that just made it that much faster or that much feel like i remember when xi came out with those velocities and oh absolutely like, and there was this like window of was it called a flat line the flat line them, yeah yeah, yeah. Them was an well, xi flat line the the other one what was it high, high point was another one they were hot for a while yeah. but xi had the flat line and those companies are like have come and gone you're kind of you're still and even with Botech changing as much as they have i still look at least for my generation i'm still looking at hoyt matthews pse bear like those to me I th they're I think, the constants yeah i think i think Botech's probably in front of bear if i were to guess sales wise maybe um, i don't think on units probably on price point yeah you know people forget that there are archery they're the guys that want to start at <clears throat> that certain price point and that's what gets them in mm -hmm. so it's kind of funny when you talk to guys <laughs> that have been doing it for a while i get all the time oh i remember that i used to shoot that until i stepped up to this mm -hmm. i think there are very few people that and it's probably a good thing that have been brand that have been branded with a bow since day one yeah anybody who's been into it for 20 25 years they probably have had a couple of different brands i like the fact I that i have that's cool yeah i like the fact that i have yeah I mean, me I, too. I, I do i like the fact that um i don't know i think i think it helps you relate to people i mean i show i show pictures when i shot high countries and the amount of people are like dude the excalibur that was my favorite yeah, one absolutely. Then. and you know I, I love that and then um i think i posted a picture i'm not sure if i did i might have showed it to a few people but it was um i think it was the first buck i ever shot in uh in mississippi with a I don't, well it was, wouldn't have been the first one i ever shot with a bow but it it was uh i got a pse g-force and i was all about that speed the beam and arrows were out you know jeff mcnail was selling those things oh yeah and uh yeah it was all about speed and uh that was you know do you fun. remember the reflex in that riser oh yeah that thing actually shot pretty good for yeah, that much reflex. it did it it pulled a little bit hard kind of kick like a donkey but it had speed man like g-force was a good name for it yeah you know, that's what your that's what your left arm felt when the arrow was going out since it's just you and i i'll take full credit for naming that bow really no yeah maybe i don't know well we're on here so yeah. i take full credit for the name <laughs> okay. I like that okay all right so you, how long are you at psc then let's see uh 2005 okay. until 2005 um it had a great time and and actually it's kind of nice because i've always maintained that relationship but there were different things i wanted to do in in my career and and branch out a little bit and you know one of those guys always wanted wanted a little bit more and i wasn't afraid of change yeah um but always kind of, I've held on to those roots, you know. Mm -hmm. Pete and I have maintained a friendship for all these years. And, um, yeah, you know, I'm not, I don't do anything officially with PSE. But obviously, you know, with Hacks, Mike and I both shoot PSEs. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. There were a couple of years, actually, I shot Matthews for two years. 
Um, a lot really? of people don't realize that, but yeah. What ones did you shoot? Uh, the Monster line, and I'm trying to think um, which one I had. The Chill. Oh. I shot the Chill really well okay. for a couple of years. All right. Um, so I, actually, I like that bow. Um, shot shot Hoyt for a couple of years. Um, shot Elite for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that later on, which sometimes is interesting. It's, it's Sometimes it's exciting. Uh, I remember when I first, like, went to high country, I was just, like, geeked out, you know, to shoot high country. And then all of a sudden, um, I got, well, I've shot that Matthews Conquest. I borrowed it off someone. Actually, I had a bow, I had a bow breakdown at a shoot, and I borrowed a Matthews Conquest from Sonny Chapel. I used his backup bow and shot that at a ASA World, and then um, ended up in the in the finals with that bow. With a borrowed bow. Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty cool yep, story. With a borrowed bow, and then um, they I ended up catching Matthews' eye there, and they knew uh, Joel really wanted to. Uh, they were really adamant about the winning these titles, and like the shooter of the year thing was something Matthews really always wanted. So. Um, the, and rookie of the year was the other one. There was like several rookie of the years for the ASA and, and for the APA. So, um, that's kind of how I got my Matthews deal was just because they knew I was a contender for that. And so I shot the, when I switched to Matthews, it was like, it was fun just changing everything over. And then, then about, honestly, I think it was about when, um, I think it was when Chance won Vegas. The bow that Chance won in Vegas, I was shooting with him on the first day or two. And, you know, I kind of grabbed his bow and I held it. And I'm like, this thing feels better than what I'm shooting. And it was like at that moment where I was I was thinking, these are going to make a movement. And then they did that, you know, the shoot through riser just got better and better. Every time I picked up a Hoyt, I just loved the grip better. Like I just liked how it felt in my hand. Always had a nice grip. And then, uh, and then if you get someone that had a bow set, right? Like, um, one of my buddies, uh, you know, Darren Cooper, don't you? Oh yeah. Okay. I picked up Darren's bow, pulled it. He shot spiral cams cause he designed those and, I was like, God, these freaking cams feel, they, they felt different. I shouldn't say they felt like they felt good, but the Matthews cam felt really good too. And I, I truthfully, I shot it. I shot my Matthews cams good, but part of me just really wanted to try it. So when I left Matthews and I, you know, just actually I went on a mission. I don't know if I ever told you this. When I left Matthews, I remember that night sitting out on my deck, and I was thinking, this might have been a terrible decision. And I was kind of thinking, like, what the heck am I going to do? And one person called me when I left Matthews and I was on my way to my house. One person called me, opened up my flip phone, <laughs> and they said, uh, "What you are you to doing?" Get that in there. And I said, "Well, my got all my stuff from my office in my car, and I'm driving home." And I said, "What? What do you mean?" I'm like, "I just 
I just left Matthews and they they were like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I, you know, just made a decision leaving. They're like, what are you going to do? I'm like, don't know to have no idea. And I got home and I would say I was home. I was home one hour and the first person that called me was Jerry Carter. And he said, Hey, Hey, did you leave Matthews? And I said, yeah. And he goes, what are you going to do? And I said, I have no idea. And I said, I'm kind of just sitting out here looking at the sunset, trying to figure out what I want to do. And so Jerry said, Hey, will you help me in April with the same things you were doing for Matthews? Can you like help her with shooting staff and, you know, marketing and stuff like that? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, what do you want to do it? And I just said, I don't know, maybe like this much a month. And he goes, yeah, that's totally cool, dude. Awesome. We're totally happy with that. And I just said, yeah, cause I, I can't move anywhere right now. I'm just going to stay here. Look at Jerry came through for you. Good for him. <laughs> and so 30 minutes later, Jared Lyle called me and said, I just, Hey, I, and Jared Lyle worked a trophy taker. And he said, I just talked to Jerry Carter. He said, he's going to pay you this much a month to like help him get a couple things straightened out and, you know, do some consult. And I said, yeah, yeah, that's true. And he's like, you know, is it, could we do that same thing? And I'm like, absolutely. Yep. So, and then by the end of that night, five people had asked me to essentially do what I did for Matthews, but do it for them, like on a consulting basis. And one of the calls within three hours, one of the calls was George Tekmachoff from Hoyt. And uh, George called and he goes, we just got word that you left Matthews. Is that true? And I said, yeah. And he goes, what are you going to do? And I said, I don't know yet. And he goes, we would like to, we need to talk to you. He's like, we're not, I'm not telling you I'm offering you anything. He said, but we need to meet on neutral ground so that you can maybe tell the right people here what happened. So I said, okay, yeah, that sounds, that sounds cool. Um, when do you want to do it? And he's like, there's a flight tomorrow morning, you know? And I just said, well, I'm not going to come to the factory. I'm, I'll meet you, but it's on neutral turf. So we ended up, I flew somewhere and I think George, Mike Looper and one engineer met me just like at a cafe like at a diner somewhere. I don't even remember where it was. And more or less just said, what are you going to be doing? Like, what are you doing? And I said, right now I'm consulting for a few people. Um, you know, I'd like to still shoot some. Don't really know. Kind of going to figure it out. And I said, and I told him too, I said, I'm not so sure the conversation I had with Matt isn't going to be resolved. You know, I said, I'm, I'm going to kind of let things settle down for 30 days and see where they go. So while I was there, I got a call from John Shepley and asked if I would come down and look at PSE. And then I got a call again from, uh, I can't think of his last name. Who was, his name was John. He was at Bowtech. It was when Struthers was still there. He was the president. Strassheim. Yeah. Yeah. He called. So within... 24 hours, I had Hoyt, PSE, and Botech call. So I had set up a thing to come to PSE. 
I set a date as well to go see Botech. And I was just going to take 30 days to listen to everybody. I was on a retainer for for 90 days. So I thought, well, you know, I'm just going to listen. Right now I'm just going to listen. And I ended up going back to Hoyt. So I set these appointments to come to these places. And then my plan was to wait 30 days, drive out. I'd never just drove out west and hunted. So this is what started my started DVDs for me. This is what started like double D bow hunting. I loaded up my truck. I took like my, I took my, uh, retain, you know, my retainer money that I got for, you know, I kind of got, they're like, Hey, okay. You know, you did awesome. We're going to just give you three months pay and wish you the best, you know? And so I went to a Toyota dealership, bought a Tacoma, and loaded it with like all the gear to hunt out west and i just thought i'm gonna drive to every state see what i can buy over the counter for a tag knock on doors and just hit all these bow companies over the course of like september 1st to august 31st and so i went out and i'm trying to think i went to hoyt first and then i was going to hunt up through some western states and i went to hoyt they had I met him at the Easton. I wasn't even allowed in yet. I met him at the Easton parking lot. Zach Kurtzall and Darren Cooper brought me two bows that they built me and an ultra. They brought me two target bows and one ultra tech. I set them both up on the bed of my truck and then just started shooting behind Easton. And I shot like one round with each bow and then just set up that hunting bow and I ended up calling both of these other companies and just said, I'm done. I know where I want to be. Well, and that's I, that's I, because it was a hunting trip and you didn't <laughs> want to have to go deal with bows maybe, anymore. You were thinking maybe, about I don't you know. were thinking about hunting. It was just one of those deals where I just honestly, maybe it's my personality, but I knew that I I knew that I really had wanted to shoot a Hoyt for a long time. Kind of, you know, I was always curious about it and it shot really good. But then I also knew one of the things that always kind of, that was hard not to take personal was when they're shoot, when they're shooters shopping around and they come in with just, they come into the factory. A lot of people, you know, depending on the shooter, get excited. People go out of their way. You try to like, you know, you try to sell them, you try to get them to come, you put on this thing. And then, you realize later on they never truly had intention of doing it, but a lot of, you know, and I didn't want to be like, I already, I knew right away, like for me right now, this, like the back of my mind is always just saying how good, how good could I shoot a Hoyt or could I have shot it better? Or I really like that grip. And so I just felt like it was courteous for me not to go to those places and see the employees and go through someone's essentially go through someone's house you didn't want to shop yourself but i think that's one of the things john people appreciate about you you know i told you yesterday i've been around for a long time and not mentioning any names but shooters in the sport of archery you can't help but get a little cynical because we talked about back in the days you know when winning a shoot was a big deal and when shooters really shopped themselves. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I, I won't mention any names, but it was kind of a cynical time because <laughs> everyone was for sale. You've never been 
for sale. No. And that's it's unusual and it's cool. Yeah. And there are some other guys that were never, uh, you know, for sale um, in particular, but it happens in all sports. Yeah. You know, a guy goes from Adidas to Nike mm-hmm. um, based on a better contract. But yeah. I, I think that's one thing that, uh, that, you know, that everybody respects about you. You want whatever fits you best, whatever you're going to shoot the at best. the time. And I think Absolutely. people, I think people make changes. Um, you know, I tell people that even now I'm, I can't really imagine myself not hunting in Sitka, but there was, I'm, I really thoroughly appreciated my time at UA, you know, I, I really liked that. You well, know, you it, was, turned, it was, it was you awesome. You turned Mike and I on Sitka and thank you. <laughs> oh <laughs> my welcome. gosh, that, that stuff and, and John up there and last year was a big year for me, but I think if I didn't have my Sitka, I would have died on my sheep hunt. That was a December hunt. It, um, Man, it was cold. It was awesome. That's Yesterday, your stuff. wife called and said, and said uh, where's the sheep sausage <laughs> yeah. at? And you're like, okay, you go in the freezer. You see blue tape on the bag. Yeah. yeah. That was pretty cool. Stu- that's good stuff. You're you're the only friend I have that, like, I've ever heard their wife call and ask where the sheep sausage is. And you're not even in town. She's yeah, like, I know. She waited till I'm out of town to make sheep sausage. <laughs> yeah, what the I'm heck? Like, What's up with that? You married the right one yeah. for you, dude. Well, actually, not technically yet. It, it, oh, that's August right. August 10th. That's right. It's August coming 10th. Up. Well, you know, one of the things that I really, really, really value, and this goes back to, um, this goes back to you and I both having the opportunity to, to work at some, some very reputable manufacturers at a younger age. I mean, we still got to get longer into your, into your career too. But when I, what I really, really appreciate is that I was young when I started at Matthews and I was able to see, I was able to see how shooters and, you know, now I guess we'd call them ambassadors more. I was able to see how those people's actions affected us internally. And sometimes it would be a major impact, even though the industry would never see it. Like getting a shooter that, you know, you're like, Hey, we want you to shoot this. We want to show it to you. And you talk to them like for an hour about, you can't tell anyone about this, you know, this is blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, they're not even out of the airport yet. And someone's like, why did you have, why'd you have Shannon Caudill up there shooting that new rival pro? I, I mean, I've told you I wanted that forever. And you're like, how do you know this? Like, we just told this guy, there are no secrets in archery. There are with me. I'll well, tell you that right now. There, there are with you, but it, back then, it's amazing. And we are part of a small industry. Yeah. yeah. Regardless of what people think. Yeah, it's very so, small. It, it was always that way. Did you hear this? Or did you hear this guy's going here? Or, did, you know, that rumor mill. It was kind of fun in a way. Yeah. I was. I just really appreciate the fact that I when, when people talked about something that everyone internally like marketing teams are like they're literally not seeing their families on weekends because they're concepting they're trying to get this whole big promotion launch going they're really adamant about you know this big reveal and people are excited about it internally and then all of a sudden someone just comes in and doesn't really feel like it's a big deal they talk about it or 
or it's like, you know, like what I told you about where, you know, maybe people shop around or, you know, just conversations with people where you're trying to tell them like, Hey man, I deal with four or 500 shooters. Like we talk, we're in meetings where we're talking about four or 500 people making these decisions you're making. And I'm just telling you this decision you're getting ready to make is going to make your career a short term career. Like, you know, you might've won a tournament yesterday, but that's not going to like some people, you can't convince them that they're like a one or two or three tournament winner. And honestly, that's all I ever thought of myself. I'm like, I'm good enough to be in this pool of top archers. Like I know I'm in the pool, but I'm certainly not the great white. I'm just a shark that's in there and I'm going to pick up, I'm going to pick up some scraps at some point because I'm, I'm always in the pool, but there were certainly like, you know, I don't ever want to say I was the, the greatest or, you know, I just feel like I was consistent and I was in there and I just really appreciate that. I feel like, I feel like where I'm at now as a person in the archery community is really based on me growing up really understanding the value of integrity within the industry. Absolutely. A hundred percent. But you, you hit on it. I think when you start, when you're young, I learned as much watching people do the wrong things mm -hmm. as I learned from the ones who did the right things. And when you take both of those lessons, you can learn as much from a mistake or watching someone else make a mistake yeah. And I, we had the advantage of learning that early on. Yep. But you yeah. used a very important word in that, you know, the one thing we were in competition with you guys for years and, and sales is a competition, just like a shoot is a competition. But from an integrity standpoint, I was try to treat everyone well. Yeah. So regardless of where I was in my career, who I knew, I think I earned respect from a lot of people that... You know, if, if Scott tells you he's going to do something, mm -hmm. it's going to get taken care of. Yep. That that was instilled with me by my dad, obviously. He yeah. said, you know, you only have your word. Yeah. Um, and people need to count on that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, work hard. I've had a great time in the industry, and I've been able to see a lot. And it helped me when, when Mike and I started Hacks. It really helped shape, hey, we want to pay attention to this. We want to be those guys. If if we have John on the line and we say, hey, you know, we've got a suit for you to go out and try and it's going to do amazing things and you're going to get closer to animals and I mm -hmm. think you'll appreciate this, that you took the two of us and said, boy, I've known these guys a while. They, they've never led me wrong. i oh, got to yeah. put this suit on and i got to go hunting. And, and Yeah, when, when you and Mike first talked to me and I was talking to Mike, I'm certain the very first hex suit he ever gave me was white. It was. And, uh, and it was like, he showed me Mike's net. Honestly, I love you, Mike, but you've never been the best to like, and things are changing. God bless Rex. He's doing, he's like, he's definitely helped you. But back in the day, Mike, I don't know if he did like his editing on like Microsoft windows or what. It was something like that. <laughs> yeah. But Mike's like, check out these tests we've done. And it's like Mike in this white suit, like walking past the motion, the original motion sensor yeah. lights were tripped off 
You're, it it kind of uh, reminded you of the old Bigfoot footage. Yeah, that's what it was like. The, you have this, there was like a video camera set up on a tripod, I think, pointed at the back of a steel building. And all of oh, a sudden yeah. you just see this like, man, do the Bigfoot walk yeah, like right. past the screen. It was nice framing, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and the light goes off. And then all of a sudden a guy in a white suit goes by and like the light doesn't go off. And I think he took his mask off. And once he took the mask off, it the light turned on too because the, the original motion detectors were like set off by your electron you know from the electronic field and he, and so he's just like you know how um because i had had conversations with him and ulmer at times about why really mature animals just have you know we talked about it as a sixth sense you know we're like why is it when you're close to them for long enough they you can tell by their demeanor they get itchy and um, and that was kind of how it started. So then he's like, I got that figured out. Remember when we were talking about that? He goes, I got that figured out. And so then here comes the, the Bigfoot video, um, recorded on like a high eight handy cam. So or you mean that didn't impress you? <laughs> it did. It, it got me, dude. <laughs> yeah, it got me. Um, but yeah, the, because of you and Mike, um, and granted, you know, Mike and I were competitors, you know, Mike, Mike changed the bowstring industry. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Like he, what Mike did with winner's choice changed, it changed archery scores. It changed, like for people that traveled shooting to be able to go to shoots and not have to like have a bow press there. Um, he, he really did change that. And well, he, he invented the custom string industry. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, fair to say. If you think about it. And you know, there's another one I, I referred to early, um, when you talked about putting rubber on bows, you could, you could probably credit Steve Sims with inventing that industry. Yeah. When did you go to Sims? Did you go to Sims after PSE? Yeah. We, um, I went to Trophy Ridge after PSE. Okay. If you remember that site company. And then, um, was Mark Garcia there then? No. No, okay. M- Mark had moved on, but um, he was it a ended high up, country by then. Yeah, ended up selling to Escalade Sports the oh. the Trophy Ridge and Rocket. Oh yeah, time, Rocket Broadheads, and then went went out to Washington and um, doing some pretty cool stuff out there. But that's when I talked about the MQ1 that you guys did at Matthews. That's when archery turned into a feel game, mm-hmm. which of course spun off that rubber industry. Well, which the how much the Sims limb saver yeah. was a was a, was a very game very ga- big game changer. It was. It was actually um, Sims was one of the first like decent paychecks I got. Um, it was I met um, Alan Lawton. Yeah, I was at an ASA shoot and they had a. They had a dinosaur target with a explosive charge in it, and there was a shotgun primer on the 12 ring, and it was at an unknown distance. And if you could hit the primer, it would blow up, and you'd win this like $500 sponsorship from Sims. So I stepped up there. I heard people talking about it, and I went out there, and I stepped up, and Alan was right there, and I pulled back, and when my shot broke, I just said, that's it. And, and all of a sudden, boom. And there was like, people were pissed because there was like 30 arrows in this target and the arrows just blew apart. And 
Um, actually, Alan wasn't there for that. It had, people had been shooting at it for a day, and I didn't really know where it was. Or so someone's like, "Yeah, it's it's got a thing. It's like five hundred buck sponsorship deal." So I went over on the second day, and I think by the second day, Alan had like kind of just thought, "No one's gonna hit this thing." So no he was in it. he was in the booth. So when I hit it, he came running over. He's like, "Who hit this?" And I'm like, "I hit it." And he's like, "Dudley?" And I go, "Yeah." And uh, he's just like dang dude and i said yeah i knew it right when it broke and he goes what'd you shoot it for and i said 96 yards and we took pictures by it i still have the picture and then uh he said something somehow or another someone i think he might have said well bet you couldn't do it again and i just said i bet i can and he's like what and he goes he goes i'll double that if you can do it again and so the thing had already blown up but i shot the second arrow and it hit the primer on the second arrow that's the picture i took and uh alan gave me hundred dollar bills out of his wallet he's like dude that's craziest thing and then i got a sims sponsorship and that that was like that was when uh the sims limb savers were like the thing for bow hunting because everyone because everyone with like a Rambo still oh, yeah. <laughs> or a super yeah. slam. There are plenty of them. It changed how your bows felt. Yeah. It really did. It really did. It, it, you know, and when winner's choice came out, cause I remember, you know, Mike was just getting started and I was still down at PSE and it, we talked about fast flight back mm-hmm. way back when, you know, I can remember and living in Arizona when I do it, when I'd get a new bow, I would put it in my truck in the window for six hours in 109 degree heat hoping to get some of that stretch (laughs) well if it was going to blow i i could go back in and get another one so it was a little different but when mike came out with with winner's choice and he used to beat me up about taking tubing off my string finally when i went to winner's the peep tubes oh yeah a long time for people to trust and not have their peep tubes yeah it's uh you know, it's fun talking about that because those changes, and I think sometimes people don't appreciate it, those subtle changes. But oh, yeah. all of that adds up to, you know, better bows, better product. I mean, that kind of competition, that innovation. Mm-hmm. Um, that You know, we look at what we have to shoot today, we're fortunate. Oh, yeah. Uh, because it's come a long way. And we used to talk about, you know, back then, all the new models every year. I mean, archery is competitive still, but I think someone told me once that it was more competitive with new models every year than the computer industry back in the 90s. Really? It, you know, wow. everyone was chasing. I mean, you think about the product changeover. Most of the lifespans of the big bows, you had reintroductions every single year. Oh, yeah. I mean you that to. that was a big deal. The ATO sh- the ATA show was relevant then. It was because that's where product was introduced. Like when the trade show doors opened, you could feel the air. I remember at Matthews, I could feel the air pushing at the booth from dealers just like wanting to see what's new because no one knew. They just they had to be at the show to see it, and the show had relevance. Now everyone goes to the show and they're like. Yeah, I've already sold 40 of those. Yeah, yeah. Do you want a Coke? Like, yeah. You know. I, I've thought that they need to move that. If everybody December, got together. First of December, if yeah. ATA made it for the first week of December, weather would be better. Before the indoor season, too. Yeah. 
Well, let's not get it in November, dude. Well, that's that, true. Let's, November let's, would screw you up a little bit. Yeah, that first week of December when most gun seasons are kind of kicking off, they could, before Christmas, you could do a reveal. The weather would be better. You could, if someone navigated the ATA well enough, they could maybe, they could probably talk the manufacturers into like waiting that extra 30 days to not release at the end of October, beginning of November, they could release right there. And literally the trade show would be all about what's new. People would be trying to go to this booth, that booth, that booth. And that's what made the ATA show fun. Oh, super, super Back in the fun. day, it was like so, you like. And people went there to write orders when they, oh, when yeah. they saw that new stuff. So for a manufacturer, that goes to those shows now and they think my god i've got hotel rooms i've got you know sales staff here and people Quarter have million. already written their orders it, it's hard to justify that expense yeah. to go to the ata yeah you get someone like matthews hoyt pse you're putting a quarter million dollars into two three days yeah. well with your employees doing tear down and set up you got five days putting a quarter million in everyone's already put in their orders you're you're not writing anything there all you're doing is pretty much you know talking to someone saying hi well one thing i know we're not going to fix that on a podcast <laughs> no i don't it, want it to it is fun it is fun that's to someone talk else's about. problem dude yeah, yeah um so uh after sims we got to wrap this up too um after sims did you go anywhere after that now that that was it i um that you know it, it was kind of a funny time for me um, I wanted to do my own thing. Um, so I can appreciate that. My, Mike and I got together and, and boy, I had learned a lot, but I, I kind of said, you know, I'm still working for other people. Mm -hmm. Um, so I wanted to do my own thing and, and Mike and I got together and I was the first person to ever put on a hex suit. The white suit. Actually, I think the original, original, mine might have been gray. Okay. It was even uglier than the white suit. Um, so I I took that on a Wyoming deer hunt, and that was always a passion of mine as big mule deer. Yeah. And, boy, first day, I'll, I'll never forget it, you know, putting it on. And, and I had helped Mike get the, the cut and sew done on that. It was his original idea. And then... I spawned off into the other stuff and did the aquatic because, you know, with the sharks and the ampulated Lorenzini. And then we've got several different patents in different fields. But I put it on the first day, and it was just amazing. Yeah. I mean, I was in great mule deer country, but, yeah, you know, I had deer 10 yards away that and standing in the open just kind of testing it and i'm sure you did the same thing oh, yeah. how much can i get away with and i said holy smokes katie bar the door <laughs> and then it was uh, it was a matter of uh, you know mike and i putting our heads together we originally set it up you know dealer based sales print ads mm -hmm. uh, you know the whole bit and <clears throat> we realized pretty early that we telling the heck story it's not a print ad sale yeah um we have to tell the story yeah and it, it was a 30 minute sell it wasn't mm -hmm. a, a 30 second sell yeah to really get people you had to, to show understand. the footage you had that, to show people it, that like, that's work. when it changed we mm -hmm. we had to show people and it, you know even now it's kind of a struggle i was uh i was talking to somebody the other day you know i get a kick out of people but i hear it all the time we'll have people come up and say 
boy, I, I bought one of your hex suits two years ago, and I've had the best two years of hunting. Look at this deer I shot, and look at that this deer I shot. And I've had the best two years of hunting I've ever had. But I can't say it's a suit because I'm that good of a hunter. <laughs> yeah. That, you know, and I, I mean, that's fine. I, I, I just kind of look at him and say, thank you for your business. We appreciate yep. it. And yeah. I said, tell well, all your friends. And I have people say, no, nah, I'm not going to tell my friends. I want to shoot bigger deer than they do. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I appreciate that. Come on, share some <laughs> of the love. Tell your friends. Tell them to go out and get a hex suit. Yeah, I've had really good friends, too. They're, they're like, can you can you honestly look at me and say it works? I'm like, I'll look at you and tell you 100% I believe in it, and I can tell you 100% I've had more, like, unexplained interactions with it than I've ever had without it, and I hunt with it. And, then, and I just said, but, you know, it's one of those things until we're able to, like, plug our brain into an animal just like you know like in that movie uh pacific rim or whatever yeah where he like <laughs> gets in we're getting we're getting closer that you know the fun thing for us with the heck stuff is it spawned new new scientific study in yeah other, in, in other fields we um yeah you know we're launching the the, the hex wildlife or we just officially yeah. launched it i told someone that the other day they they're like well i'm not into to hunting or anything they're like i just i bird watch i'm like dude you're the perfect person oh, bird watchers it's huge if you like yeah. to bird watch a hundred percent you're gonna like you're gonna have way better bird interaction. Absolutely, our our guy and a good friend of mine, and um, actually Forrest and I just spent a week in Mexico. We were down there. It was a quote unquote pro- project wedding fish because <laughs> at, at the wedding, uh, Jesse and I in August were serving all of the fish that we shot on this last Mexico trip, and boy, we we knocked it out of the park, but. My buddy Forrest, who just recently did a podcast with Rogan, yep. which I'm sure you listened oh, to. Oh, yeah, that, that was one. great. He just wrapped up season two of Extinct or Alive on Animal Planet. And then we have um, a series premiere on history called Face the Beast, mm-hmm. which is all about hex. Yeah. Um, and, and Forrest produced that. But it's really spawned we new science in other areas where they're doing a lot more studies about there's a lot on birds how they navigate how they see electrical fields but you know two years ago lobsters weren't known to have electroreception yeah. and now there's a lot of papers on lobsters and electroreception and um, the cool thing with that it's almost like cheating you can just dive down and, and grab a lobster yeah where years ago it was damn near impossible <laughs> um but it, but it's a lot of fun, and the the cool thing about hex, you know, we have people come up all the time and and say, "Have you thought about this?" And we say, "Yeah, we've talked about it, but we haven't done anything mm-hmm. there." So it's a it's a new area of science that they're beginning to understand. Yeah, um, which is really cool. Bees, another thing, highly electroreceptive. Oh, really? Um, Dang, dude, that's super cool. It, and a lot of people don't realize. Um, certainly, I do. Um, that, you know, being a hunter and, and a spear fisherman, obviously I care about the environment, but worldwide we have a problem with bees. They're not healthy. Our populations yeah, are right. Healthy. Yeah. So there's a lot of, uh, scientific study on, on making bees a more healthy population. But with all of, you think about 
you know, civilization, you think about signals out there now, whether it be cell phones or anything else, they're considering that bees aren't healthy because there's so much of that now. They're having a hard time navigating, maintaining a healthy hive. So there's some, there's thought being put into that. How, how do we bring back bees? And it, it's messing with them. Yeah. You know, all these signals that are out there, whether it be high power lines, what have you. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty cool when, when you're on that side, when it, there's a lot of new science about it. Yeah, that's super cool. Well, we got to roll, dude. We got to... Uh, got to yeah. go look at those trailers again. <laughs> yeah. Now, now you're setting up. That's a big deal in fly Salt Lake. Yep. Total archery challenge. It'll be a, be a fun, fun hangout, I'm hoping. Fingers crossed. I mean, not everything always goes to plan, but... Yeah, that's uh that's the plan. I gotta get home now and I gotta I gotta put the pedal to the metal for a week and shoot as many arrows as I can and get my crap together so I can go out there and um and have fun with people. Yeah, p- piece of cake, you'll do it. <laughs> well, we'll do this again sometime. I think we covered about a third of oh <laughs> of what there we were talked so many things covering. you said where I'm like <laughs> I can go way down that that maze right there and then i'm thought and then there's been several things that you've said where i didn't know it about you and i wanted to like tell you some more stories about that but peel the onion back a little bit yeah the onion just keeps peeling well next next time we don't do this early in the morning and then we have an excuse to to have a bottle of wine or a couple of beers it may get even more interesting yeah i didn't i didn't need a time of day to do that i would have had i mean well you have coffee over there yeah, I'm having coffee now just out of habit, but I would have had a glass of wine with you. Oh, see, you tell me now at the end. Yeah. That would have made it more fun. I mean, right now, they're, it's totally dinner time in France. Well, that's true. So, I would have needed a nap, though, at 8.30 in the morning. That's probably not good. You don't have to have a bottle. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> All right, everybody. Hope you like this podcast. Um, I just know that some of these people I have on here, they're they're – dear friends people that i think just bring so much value to the industry um there's just parts of this onion i love the fact that archery is growing but what i want to make sure doesn't happen is that the people that come in right now and they're shooting this bow they also don't forget about the times where you know bows had steel cables or everyone had to have peep tubing on or you know these are all like fun parts of the evolution of archery and um people like scott are i mean you got people like you are why we are where we are there's been a lot of improvements archery's growing it's way funner and uh you're a big part of that dude so thank you appreciate you being on hey i appreciate it we share the same passion so oh, yeah. it's a big passion and i'll forewarn you again one of these days we're going to get you in the water and get you shooting some fish get me in a speedo No, no, we'll leave the Speedo on shore. (laughs) All right. We'll just put you in a wetsuit. Okay. See you, everybody. Knock on. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing. Knockonarchery.com.